Like most festivals, the coronavirus has led to the heartbreaking cancellation of Bluesfest 2020. Bluesfest is Australia's largest music festival. With over 100,000 tickets sold over five days, it is an economic and cultural powerhouse. The difference is, however, it is owned and operated by one man, Peter Noble. Unlike his peers, Peter has not sold his festival to multinationals or domestic giants. The financial risk, the reputation and the responsibility fall squarely on Peter's shoulders. So you could make a case that Corona has hurt Bluesfest more than any other major festival in Australia. The 2020 cancellation lost millions of dollars, and with no parent company like Live Nation, AEG, or Mushroom to help cash flow, the size and scale of Bluesfest would have sent most independent operators to the brink of bankruptcy. However, Peter's message and tone has been unwavering from day one of cancellation. We will find a way to continue in 2021, he has said over and over again, announcing his first lineup for 2021 in May. Peter Noble has everything on the line right now, and he is unwavering as ever. So it is great to have him on Fear at the Top. Peter, welcome. Uh, yeah, what a welcome. But gee, why do I not see my festival or my position or the Australian music industry the same way? I was kind of smiling when you were saying that, Luke, because I just think I'm doing the bloody obvious. <laughs> and what is the obvious, Peter? Well, what the, the obvious is that we, we, we're part of the live music industry. And yet, yes, we have a setback. And certainly uh, my event, I don't know whether I've suffered more than others. I, I, I don't want to certainly say that. Um, we were lucky to have pandemic insurance, which allowed our ticket buyers in the main to get their money back. Um, certainly didn't put any money in our pockets. But, but what we did, I, I, I think, is what the Australian music industry needs to consider and that is that when we were shut down on March 16, 24 weeks ago approximately, um, yes, in two weeks' time, it's six months since we all got shut down, that uh, we, within 72 hours, had received notice from our insurer that, yes, we were definitely covered for pandemic. And so we made the decision to, to, to move forward. And, and as much as we were in shock, we, we didn't want to be able to not be able to say to our employees, you don't have a job. What we were hearing all around us were people being thrown out of work. And so we took our 17 employees out into our grounds and said, we're going to keep you all on. It might be three days, might be four days a week, but um, we're going to do next year's festival. We need your expertise. We then sat down and we went, to all of our uh, creditors and all $1.2 million of them and said, look, guys, can, can you give us a bit of a discount for a payment? And, uh, of course, the, the response was, well, how quickly will a payment come? But well, we got everybody, and we did receive some very generous discounts and some less so, but we were able to get everybody paid out in three months. So that's three months ago we got everybody paid out. And... To us, these were the steps we had to make to be a part of the return of the live music industry. And, and whilst I can't discuss or, or, or have any knowledge of how other events, uh, no matter who their ownership is or was, have moved forward, ours was always in a way, well, how do we move forward? Well, one, we pay our debts. We, we keep our staff on. We pay our consultants, all the production teams, etc. 
we go to the international artists, <coughs> pardon me, and we say, do you want to come back or not? Are you cancelling? Those who wanted to come back and showed us real integrity, we showed the same. And all those artists, the George Bensons and Patti Smiths and many, many more, we all agreed to reschedule their tours. And everybody was thinking six months ago, and it actually is in, on the 16th of this month, six months since our industry got shut down. Um, we all thought back then that things would improve quicker. It is now a time when we can look back six months and go, well, all yeah, we well, know about Corona is that we don't know what the future will bring. So that is the reality that our industry is within at the minute. Um, by our making that decision early and putting a press release out, we also looked at the fact that it looked highly likely that the International Act won't be able to come in due to Australia's border controls. And so we started booking Australian talent and explaining to them the situation. And the situation is that we may not be able to do an event next year, but we're going to do our damn best to do one. And so all the artists have been brilliant. I mean, I just got off the phone right before this call with a major Australian manager, and they're going, can you get us an offering with a seven-day limit on it? Well, that will give us one of our four major headliners for next year. Because I realised I started, I needed to start booking a very strong Australian talent event, that the likelihood of the internationals coming was low. And so right from the beginning, we've been saying, look, if the internationals can't come, they'll be replaced by Australian artists of equal stature. And that was a very important thing to do and, and to be very transparent about it. Yes, nobody will ever be the same as Patti Smith or um, George Benson, but, but by the same point, nobody's going to be the same as Jimmy Barnes or Tash Sultana. These artists are also great artists. And then it was down to finding the way to get a COVID safe plan approved. That's a daunting task, but certainly the, in New South Wales, the Ministry for Health was very helpful. They appointed a, a policy advisor to work with us and put us in touch with an epidemiologist at the Department of Health to work with. And so we were able to start to form a plan now, it's been amazing. Uh, I won't use the word amazing. It's been very good news that, to see that the Premier, Berejiklian, in New South Wales made a major statement yesterday, which I'm hoping all music media picks up on, as she announced that there'll be a new coordinated approach. I'm reading off today's ABC uh, news from abc.net.au where she says there'll be a, a new coordinated approach for all major events to be planned across the state. Her statement is, I've delegated the Deputy Premier and the Treasury Ministries to work with the, with the SEA State Emergency Centre. And she said that she wants the state to be focused on life returning as normal. Our attitude in New South Wales, I'm quoting, is what can we do, not what can't we do. A major statement. Of course, controlling the virus spread is a priority, but so is getting life to as normal as possible. 
and doing everything in a COVID-safe way. I'm quoting. Premier said she will push for major events like the New Year's Eve fireworks in Sydney to go ahead. We all understand, she said, where possible we should be hosting events we've hosted before, but it will be different. And with Deputy Premier John Barillaro being appointed and being a member of the Nationals and being a regional guy, he obviously had something to say. So what he said was that big draw card events in Sydney should be cancelled if tourism events in regional New South Wales are called off due to the pandemic. Quoting him, if the regions have to lose big tourism events like the Tamworth Country Music Festival, then there is no option but to cancel the big draw card events in Sydney than the most obvious is the New Year's Eve fireworks. So you know what's going to happen? We're going to see some interesting fireworks as a result. The Nationals, <laughs> who represent the regional, regionalist New South Welshmen, have taken a position and they're saying, you want to put the fireworks on, you better be ready to get behind the rest. I've, tried, I've put a call into uh, government this morning. I've yet to get a response. But um, it's interesting to see what's happening because if we're going to see the return of the live music industry, then those presenters such as Blues Fest, such as others who are willing to do what it takes to put on COVID-safe and COVID-safe approved events, no matter what they look like, then that is how we're going to emerge and how live music is going to return. And so what we need, in my opinion, it's a support of our industry. I, I, in the return of live music, for the good of everyone, you know, what, what I'm seeing more and more and more is reportage of cancelled events rather than reportage of events that are attempting to proceed. We, we, we saw last weekend at Sandstone Point Hotel an event where 5,500 people attended on the lawn. The, the police report was they have no complaints about how it was presented. Now, that is a great result in Queensland, and that actually is the precursor to their summer season. Um, you possibly know Sandstone Point is owned by the same owners as Eaton's Hill Hotel. These are the major, major hotel events, uh, hotels and, and there's events areas. And so we're starting to see it happen. And... Whilst there is still pessimism out there, and I agree there is, Australians want to see the return of live music, and certainly our industry needs it. So if everyone gets behind this, because all those things about Save Our Stages or Keep Live Music Live, all that stuff that was happening four or five or six months ago, you're not hearing it much anymore. You know, there's a lot of people that are getting the bunker mentality. There's a lot of people feeling that, oh, God, what's going to happen? Well, what's going to happen is we have to have leaders lead and we have to have everybody go, we want live music coming back safely. And that's where I'm coming from. I'm not out there, you know, going, look, let's put on live music for live music's sake. What I'm doing is saying, look, we normally have a 30,000 capacity. It'd be very easy to run an event with 20. If we've got to run it with 15, we will. If we've got to run it with 10 a day, we will. Whatever we've got to do 
because it's about bringing the music back. It's not about money. And about showing that we can do it. There are another set of issues with going indoors, outdoor events, in the open air, potentially seated, will lead our way out. And we have to have it. And when I see event after event after event cancel, I say to all those people who really want to put on an event, good on you. You are really a critical part of the Australian live music industry because we have to find a way back, guys. We just have to. Peter, you gave some hints about what a COVID-safe blues fest might look like there. It, you know, I heard reduced capacity, you know, up to, you know, almost 70% uh, seated people. Have you... Can you can you expand that? Like, what what is your best guess at what a COVID-safe blues fest will look like next year? The, the situation continues to change. So what I'm told three or four weeks ago in discuss and, and and by the way, the Ministry of Health in New South Wales has been incredibly helpful. And they 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 put a policy advisor dedicated to to speak with us about what we can do, and they put us in touch with an epidemiologist at the Department of Health in Sydney who gave us she believed the Department of Health will require. The, the situation continues to change. It evolves. So what you are hearing four weeks ago might be different than what you're hearing now, from my perspective. Of course, I would love to have a standing event. Social distancing within that is something that will be a challenge. And so seated events very much like in seating patterns, as you see when you see a, an NRL game or something like that, uh, in, in a, in a colour-coded or, or reserved fashion, seem to be the way forward now. But the, the, only, the only thing we know is that we don't know what the future is bringing. So we all thought six months ago this is what would happen with the industry. Blues Fest is about seven months away. Um, I, I can't forecast exactly what the final Blues Fest will look like. But for me, it's not about putting something on and, you know, I can't afford to lose millions of dollars. I don't have that capability. But I don't know what it's going to look like. But I know that I'm going to adapt the event to whatever we need to do to put on a safe festival that the authorities will approve. That's the bottom line to me. I'm not going to throw my hands up and go, it's too bloody hard, because it's not too bloody hard to say thank you for being a part of the Australian music industry and for all the wonderful things that has given me in a 50-year career. This industry is something that I owe this to, and I believe the other professionals out there in the media and in our industry, we all need to get behind the return, because if we don't, then it's the damage that's being done weekly, daily, monthly is too great. And, and even though, if you look at what Mark Geiger, the former head of WME, said in his uh, keynote in the last 48 hours in London for the International Festival Forum, when it does all come back, it's going to be bigger than ever. It might take, it might, you know, from the time it all starts happening, it might take a year. Because all those people don't have to get in a socially distanced line anymore to buy a bloody beer. They can drink it where they feel like drinking it. They can get a hot dog or a, or a soya burger. All those people will want to be part of the comeback of our industry. And those of us that get through 
we will be better for it. We, I just, I just, just say to anybody watching this who's part of our industry, yes, your venue might be constrained by a four square metre rule, but you need to find a way to keep your venue. You, because at the end of all this, let's not talk about I might be broken out of the business in three months. Let's talk about we're all going to be here. We're a great industry, great talent. And one of the greatest things I've learned in booking Australian talent on Blues Fest more than I ever have, ever, is how much great Australian talent there is. And I should have been booking more of it. And I'll cop to that. Because, gee, when you start getting the level of talent that's said yes to playing next year's Blues Fest, all knowing that this event may not be on, all saying they'll sign an agreement that they'll, they'll give the deposits back. Because those guys, the managers, the agents, the artists, they all want to play. And our industry needs to get behind that. And, we, and government needs to see how strongly we feel and we're not just a silent, meek minority that doesn't get the media and, uh, and the going to government saying, hey, we're part of a $112 billion industry. The airline industry is worth $18 billion. Come on. You don't have to give us money, but you've got to give us support and find a way with us to find a way to get music playing live on stages again. It's, it's super inspirational to hear, the, hear this, the way that you're speaking um, about the future of music and the importance despite, you know, potentially the economic hit to move forward. But how are you budgeting for it? I mean, you're putting out all these offers for bands, massive Australian artists. There's a lot of talent on there and, and I can't imagine how big the bill will be. And, you know, there's a potential that... Let me to tell you the truth, Luke, is that many, many Australian artists are being very fair through their agents and managers right now through their economic asks or their guarantee asks to be a part of the return of the Australian live music industry. They want this to happen. And, and so the encouragement that I've received is something where I'm just going, by making the decisions to move forward, I've, st I've, I've, I've created a juggernaut. The whole industry I know in terms of the people, the movers and shakers, the agents and managers are talking about it. They're going, you know, Peter Noble might be crazy, but he might just pull this off. <laughs> um, can you tell me a bit about then the financial strength of Blues Fest? Do you put down your ability to survive and announce a new lineup really quickly down to maybe a good cash position or was it the pandemic insurance that you had that not many other festivals had? Is it a mix of both? Like how, how, how dire did it get early or were you actually okay? It's as dire as you want to let it be, but, uh, but, but I would put to people out there, if you better have a plan A, B, C, D and maybe E, you know, and your A plan might be that you can, everything gets fine and your event will just be like it used to be and your B plan is it'll be smaller and your C plan it'll be smaller again and your D plan might be, well, what if you don't get the, uh, you know, the, the, the grants that are out there with RISE at the moment? And the E plan might be, what if you don't get the grant and your festival doesn't get approved? How will you get to 2022? We look at all of that. You, you, we, we have to go with every intention of doing 2021. And the fact is we've got no income. You know, all our money is locked up, all the ticket money, because we can't 
obviously we can't access it. If we could access it, um, we, we'd have the cash flow that, that, would, that would be wonderful to have. But in these uncertain times, you've got to guarantee the public. You, 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 you can't get pandemic insurance anymore. Even though I have put it to the Federal Treasury and the New South Wales Treasury, there should be pandemic insurance. Because the, the precedent is simple. In 2001, they created terrorism insurance because the, the industry, uh, all industries, could not get terrorism insurance. You know that terrorism insurance still exists. You can get through the Treasury. So I've put the same thing to them, that pandemic insurance will, will sure. only affect in, in, in areas where, um, where they have been closed so that it's not going to be a huge cost factor in, an, in, an, in a state that has low, uh, cluster, low incidence of, of COVID to have a pandemic insurance done by the federal or, or state treasuries so that events can go ahead. And if they are cancelled at the last minute due to a, a cluster coming up in the region, that those events will have insurance coverage that they can pay out their debt. Now, let's see what happens with that. But I've certainly got government behind me and advocating for that to happen. We've just got to get the uh, federal budget and the New South Wales budget to accept that in their upcoming announcements. So I've really thought this through so that people who are suppliers, if we could get this pandemic insurance, we'll be able to go, you know what? They get cancelled two days out of the show. We get our money. We have to think of it on that level. How do you protect everybody when, you, when at a time you can't get the insurance for cancellation due to the pandemic? That there's so many areas. We come up with something new every day. We're like right down to wristbands. It's like how can you wristband people when that would require someone with a pair of disposable gloves to put the wristband on, take it off for the next person? Well, that's not going to work. You're going to have lines out the door uh, on the street. So, so we've had to come up with every single thing we can think of to put on a, a safe event where people will go, you know what? They didn't get it 100% right because 100% will never happen. But they got it 80%, 90% right and it was a safe event. That's what we're talking. That's what we intend to deliver. It's not about just doing it for the sake of doing it. It's showing we can do it. And we can do it. And we will. Peter, tell me about the team at Bluesfest. You said you've got 17 people. How, how is everyone, like what is the org structure? How are you all operating? What is the focus of everyone in the team right now? I think I've lost about three people, which um, unfortunately with COVID, there's not only been people who were very happy to have the security of work for themselves and families, but there's those people who've had to deal with the mental, mental health issues that have come along with, with COVID, and particularly younger people. So we've lost a few. I think we lost four, but we did replace one. Um, but we've still got about 14 staff. And within that staff, I, I've got some serious industry professionals, people that know how to put events on, that know how to work with media or know how to just do the on-ground things, people that knew how to find the right risk companies to help us develop a COVID plan. We, we have a level of expertise in our industry that Bluesfest and other 
companies require to be able to move ahead. And that, to me, is another part of the decision to move forward. You can't put these people out of work. Because if you do, they're going to drift. They're going to go into other areas where their skills will also be required because the, the skill sets are, are transferable outside of entertainment. I mean, a brilliant tour manager can do a lot of different things. And um, so, to, so to me, it's, it's, it's fundamentally important that we don't allow that drift of professionals away from our industry. And I, I, I'm very thankful that my staff has agreed to work three and four day weeks and receive that percentage of their wage. And certainly I'm thankful for JobKeeper because that's paying 30%, I believe, of, of our salaries right now. And that keeps us able to maintain our level of just paying the, the bills that we accrue. And, and at, I, I would advocate strongly that if music, live music sectors and sections of live music are some of the last to be allowed to operate, and that looks like in the end it's going to be nightclubs and theatres, um, that industry job keeper payments are considered by government because it's the industries that can't come back that critically need to retain staff until can't come back until they've got approval to come back. It, it, it seems to me that the live music industry will 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 return with um, major recreation facilities, as it's designated by New South Wales uh, government, who have set up sites that are specific to putting events on that can adapt to outdoor sites, that can adapt to seated if they have to, that can adapt to safe crowd movement between stage areas that can adapt to safe ways for people to consume food and alcohol and, and, and find the ways that people, like you can buy your merchandise online. You know, you can have, a, you can have an area at your front gate as you leave that you pick it up. No, no different than duty-free shopping. Um, there's so many ways to do this and, and there's so many ways that we can, look, I, I, I found I found a company that's EPA approved that, that's got a product that you can put it on a dirty surface and it will kill COVID germs for seven days. They came to me. I'm like, oh, get out of here. That's impossible. They said, let us show you, let us show you, I'll show you the approvals. Guy's name's Maury Stang. He's bloody genius. And the people who've come to us since we said we want to do this to say, well, we want to be part of you doing it. Only yesterday I was talking about the la about the lanyard that beeps if you're within 1.5 meters of someone, that, that that holds all of your information, so that you can actually through a lanyard tell people for argument's sake somebody is found positive, and those people that, that attend an event are part of a color coded group, so where they sit where they congregate it's got to be under color codes. Your group had a positive result that happened. I don't know, X amount of days after the festival, you need to go and get a check. We, these things have been brought to me in ways that I've just gone like, you know what, there's an industry adapting to what we have to adapt to because we may have COVID around for a long time. 
18 months is a number that I'm hearing from members of government. Uh, could be before we see a great change. I guess they're looking at the two-year um, flu, Spanish flu of 1918 to 20. But what was also put in Mark Geiger's International Forum, Festival Forum speech yesterday, he said, the golden era of American entertainment was the Roaring Twenties. That was the era where America, prior to the Depression, had some of the highest levels of income and entertainment in its history. And I believe we are looking at a golden age as we emerge from this. Everything's going to be fine, guys. Maybe I'm a little older. Maybe I've been through a few uh, recessions. I haven't been through a pandemic before. But um, the SARS is the biggest one I remember. But I say to all you young people out there, this will end and our industry will come back stronger. Let's be positive about that. Let's be uplifting. Let's, when we go to government, do it in a, not a manner where we say, oh, we're going to go broke if you don't do this. Let's get the support of those people because right now the government of the day is the government we must deal with. And that's the government that I see willing to do many good things, even though historically we might have voted for the other side. They're not in power. <laughs> now let's deal with those that can make the rules to make sure they make the right ones for us. Peter, have you worked much with, you know, Roger at Live Nation and Jeff at Tag and Michael Gadinsky? Have you, have you had any coordinated efforts with any of those or are you kind of running your own race? Well, I speak regularly with Michael Koppel at, from Live Nation, although it's been two or three weeks. Um, poor Michael, I mean, his wife's, Michelle's up there in the snowfields and he's down there in Melbourne and they can't, they're speaking on Zoom calls, I believe. <laughs> but... Uh, I don't really know Michael Gadinsky. I know Chuggy well. He's a former partner. We've talked a bit. Who was the other person? Oh, Roger at Live Nation. I yeah. tend to be with Michael Koppel. Although I yeah. know Roger. I guess that because we're the same vintage, same era, we've got to know each other well over the years. Uh, you've reminded me, like, I owe Chuggy a call. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, yeah, so are you, are you, I mean, I know that, um, sort of Teg and Gadinsky and Live Nation had a lot of coordinated efforts together, um, for lobbying and messaging. I guess it, it feels like you, from the outside, you're kind of running your own race and you weren't part of that bigger coordination. Uh, was that a conscious thing or just a convenience thing? I talk regularly with Glenn Rainsbury. He's an old mate. That's his up leaf. Um, great guy. But... And, and certainly I, I, I support LEAF's uh, efforts you know, now that they have broadened them to include the wider industry. Uh, at first, some of the announcements that were made was, that, you know, this is, the, this is the major promoters and it's felt like, you know, it's only for them. And, and they've, come to, they, they've, they've let me know that they regret some of those statements that were made by individuals and that in the end that they're doing this for the entire industry. And that therefore the, uh, but you've reminded me, I'll call Glenn right after this and just double check that I can join. <laughs> but uh, because if we're all going to advocate for the industry, we shouldn't be putting any barriers up. I've definitely joined up with Stephen Wade's group. Um, I've, my company is a member of the VMA, the Venue Managers Association, because we own a venue at the Blues Fest site and have been a member for many years. 
We're also a member of the LPA, Live Performance Australia, who did brilliant work. I know how hard that they were working to try to, to, try to get things done. Um, certainly they were leading the charge and then trying to get government to put these uh, grant plans together. And although they didn't achieve the numbers they were after, they achieved a lot. There's a lot of people working. And, and yes, I am an indie and I enjoy doing that. I do like having my own channels into government and I do maintain those because I think if you're going to run business at the levels that I do, you have to have your own contacts. You have to have people you can call. You have to have people that are willing to take your ideas to the treasurer, as, as both of those pandemic ideas were by members of government on when we came up with them. And to my industry, if that gets a, if that gets a tick, you can thank me because <laughs> I like doing that stuff. I, I'm, I've always been in politics. My father was in politics and um, there's always been something that I've enjoyed and thrust in the parry, but I don't think you can be in business at a medium to, to higher level and not have strong relationships with people across the entire political spectrum. It doesn't matter whether they're the, the, the Libs, the Nats, the Labor, the Greens. You've got to have a relationship with all of them, particularly to anybody that's got any uh, power in your own area. You, they, they, you, you, it needs to be in a position where they'll take your phone call and they'll hear your viewpoint. But if you're putting on something like Blues Fest, which is worth more than a, f a fifth of a billion dollars to, to the state of New South Wales on our 2019 event, believe me, they'll take your call. <laughs> Um, Peter, thank you so much for your time today. It's really inspiring to hear you speak so positively and so um, selflessly and so enthusiastically. Can you leave us with a message to punters of Blues Fest who have been loyal fans for a long time uh, and are kind of on the fence about whether they should bother buying a Blues Fest ticket right now or wait in the new year when they know more. Like, what's what's your feeling about that? And, and give them a message to leave us well, with. Well, you know, we're thinking that worst-case scenario, we'll be allowed to have 50,000 people come to Blues Fest. We've already sold well past 30,000. <laughs> we're hoping to have a scenario where we can sell 75,000. Well, we're almost half sold out. Mm. And so all those people out there, um, I want to apologise because the pandemic insurance, we lobbied really hard to the insurer to allow everybody that had a 2020 ticket to retain that ticket and use it for 2021 and only those who decided not to come uh, apply for a refund. The insurer came back to us and said that's not their policy. Every single person has to put in a refund form. It's been very time intensive to be able to do all that, although mosh ticks happened fairly quickly. Prior to that, through the first two or three months, 3,000 tickets or individual uh, transactions were with our previous ticket company and we had to data match every single one of them. I think we're down right now with the payments that are happening today um, to about 600 people or transactions who haven't come to us and said, we want 
the refund. And I, if you're listening and you've got that ticket and you're holding it, no, guys, please don't. You've got to apply for the refund so we can give you your money back and then hopefully we will buy again. It's been a very long process. It's not been a good one for some people that just didn't quite fill forms in properly and then payments were rejected. But in talking to everybody that wants to come to Blues Fest, well, it's probably going to be an all-Aussie event. Can't see the borders opening personally. But then again, I'd also, all I know is about the COVID is I don't know. Um, <laughs> it'll be terrible if George Benson can't come or Patty Smith. But I, but I will have replaced them with artists of that stature. I really will have more Australian. Not booking any Kiwi artists right now, even though Kiwis have been able to fly out of their country for months, as against Australians who can't. We are one of the very few countries in the world that restrict freedom of movement of our citizens. I don't agree with it personally, but the reason we won't be buying New Zealand artists is they've still got the 14-day quarantine for people returning to New Zealand, and I definitely agree with that. It's highly unlikely New Zealand will drop that it for some time, and that talk of the bubble between the two countries, I think, is no longer occurring. So until that actually happens, we won't be adding any Kiwis. So sorry, Fat Freddy's drop. We nearly took you. Sorry, <laughs> LAB. Sorry, you know, sorry, Crowded House even. But, uh, but Crowded House is, is a unique situation because they've got Americans, Australians and Kiwis as part of the band and touring party or, or backing musicians. So who knows how, what they're going to do. But one thing that was put to me that Nicole and Keith got in and they were allowed to go to their own house, self-quarantine, and the Australian government will look at things for particular artists, even though they will have to quarantine. So with, but with New Zealand right now, I think they're so far in front of Australia by the fact that they went hard early, and yes, they've had a couple of challenges, but they've, they've got on top of them too. Our policy of suppression is one whereby we factor in that COVID will not be eliminated. Um, so government, I think, is now turning to the next point in that policy, which is we've made a policy where we agree not to eliminate it because it will cause too much damage for business. But within that, we have to also bring business back. Now, I don't agree with what Tony Abbott said the other day. I don't think it's about saying that you know, members of our society can be um, seen as okay if they die off because of COVID, but we also have to find a way to bring business back. It's critical. We can't be in the situation in six months' time. Our country can't bear it. Now, you also look at the other side of what America's done or hasn't done, the UK. They've been way too open. We've got to find that way forward. And I think that's the big challenge we're going to see in the next six months. But Blues Fest will be on if I can possibly deliver it. And yes, we are about the half sold out mark and we are selling a lot of bloody tickets. And when you see where our next two announcements are, we're going to sell a lot more. I don't think we'll have many tickets left of any by Christmas. Buy tickets or forever regret it. Thank you so much, Peter. I really, really appreciate your time and your optimism. 